Welcome back. We're here again. So we have a pretty special episode tonight, I think. Yes, it's our first guest. We have a guest that's uh, my nephew and Bridget's cousin mm -hmm. and a good person to have on after the camping episodes because this person is more than just a camper. Okay, his a, name is Matt. Matt is a ultra backpacker. He's through hiked the Appalachian Trail in 2014. And in 2020, he was going to do the Pacific Coast Trail starting in May, and then the world had other plans. These trails are like thousands of miles long. Well, and he's going to talk. Take months. Yeah, yeah we're going <laughs> to talk all about it. Yeah. So it's 2021, and Matt plans to do the Pacific Crest Trail starting pretty soon. He's probably going to be on it when this podcast actually airs. Oh, really? Yes. He's... So welcome to the show, Matt. Hi, I'm Matt. I am uh, Margaret's nephew and Bridget's cousin. I'm going to be hiking the Pacific Crest Trail uh, starting next Monday. So the gals had me on the show to uh, talk about everything about that. You're going to be on the trail when this episode actually airs. So you'll be a week into the trail, probably. So that's actually good because I uh, will have a blog that I'm updating as I go. I can like send it to you and you can put it in the show notes or whatever. That'll probably be about when my first post on trail is with a bunch of pictures and such. Uh... So right, well, I can link to the podcast. Yeah, so t tell us about the Pacific Crest Trail, Matt. Where it begins, where it ends, what it's like. What sure, you know. so the Pacific Crest Trail, it's uh, 2,650 miles long. It goes from the Mexican border to the Canadian border through California, Oregon, and Washington. It starts at, like, you know, a little town, uh, Campo, that's like 100 miles inland from South uh, San Diego. And then it goes up through SoCal, um, kind of around L.A., and then through, like, Yosemite and the Sierras, and then it kind of, you know, keeps going north from there. Have you ever hiked a part of it, or you're just totally going and, you know, not having seen that area? I've done, I think it was a four-day, three-night, uh, short short trip, uh, a little south of Lake Tahoe. Okay. So I've done a tiny bit on it. It's I think it was, like, a 20- or 30-mile section. Yeah beautiful area of the country i'm really looking forward to that yeah it, everyone says that it's much more beautiful than the appalachian trail so yeah the appalachian trail i guess you're just kind of in the woods a lot huh yeah it's a very like similar ecosystem the whole time yeah because it's like it's all that like east coast deciduous forest like you get a little bit more pine trees as you get up in new hampshire but it's pretty much like the same forest the whole time so how do you get to the starting line? Yeah, so I'm actually going to um, make a weekend out of it. I'm flying to San Diego on Saturday morning, and my uh, mom and then uh, my aunt and cousin on the other side, they are already in San Diego, and they're going to pick me up. We're going to have, you know, a little bit of a weird touristy weekend, and then <laughs> they're going to drop me off. I don't know what we'll actually be able to do because of COVID restrictions, but hopefully something. Right. And how long do you expect this to take you? 2,650 miles. How long are you giving yourself? Uh, so four and a half months. I have a firm deadline here because <laughs> so, uh, my sister Lauren is getting married uh, at the end of September. And I am one of the groomsmen. So I need to be home, you know, a few days before that so I can, like, get a haircut and, you know. <laughs> get a shower. Yeah. <laughs> remember how like civilization works the right. rehearsal dinner might be a little weird right how so how many miles are you supposed to be doing a day so i'm planning to average 21 miles a day 
including my rest days. So if I take a day off, I'll have to make that up. This is made a little more confusing because uh, the trail's currently on fire because it always is. So there are already like two 20 mile sections that I'll have to skip over. So those are kind of like free miles if you think of it that way. So how are you going to skip? You're just going to get an Uber or something? Yeah, probably. Um, Both of the sections that are currently on fire are very close to L.A. So it won't be hard for me to, you know, get an Uber Mm -hmm. around them. I'm also planning to reach out to some friends I know in the L.A. area to see if I can, you know, stay there for a night or so. Right. I was wondering about that, how wildfires are going to affect this whole thing, because it's such a thing out there. But I guess they keep pretty close tabs on it. Yeah, the uh, Pacific Crest Trail Association has a website where they monitor trail closures, and I will be checking it every time I resupply to make sure that, you know, I can continue to hike safely. Well, that's good. So, I mean, so, like, how I, I just have a loads of questions i'm sure you've been asked them a million times but like how do you keep your phone charged <laughs> yeah I, i'm happy to answer all the questions that's why i'm here uh so phone charging it's it's really easy just don't use it um right. so my phone will be off most of the time and when it's on it'll be in airplane mode mm-hmm. and using a phone like that the battery will generally last like two weeks uh because you don't really use it except to take pictures here and there yeah um and so then when i resupply uh, the resupplies are like a whole endeavor because I have to, you know, pick up food either that's shipped to me or go grocery shopping. I generally try to hit up a restaurant just because I want to get, you know, real food yeah, in addition food. to trail food. Yeah. And then, you know, I'll find an outlet and, you know, charge all of my devices. I actually have like a spider charger to charge my phone, Kindle and headlamp simultaneously. And then sometimes I will also stay the night in like a motel so I can take a shower. I'll try to shower every like two weeks or so. And then I, you know, get back to trail and continue walking. Right. And so you, so you don't have a partner. You had a partner for half of the Appalachian Trail, right? Exactly. Yeah. My uh, college friend, Derek, he was actually the one who suggested hiking the Appalachian Trail with me. Um, And so we hiked together the first half, but he was not enjoying the, you know, month to month grind as much as I was so he uh he actually got himself an internship since we were in college at the time and you know dropped out in I think it was like mid-May or something so did you do you like not having another person or would you rather have have a partner that's that's a weird one um so there are definitely pros and cons to both yeah uh you do go a little crazy eventually on your own Right. Um, and it's like, it's awesome for your relationship with that person to like, That's you know, be doing the day in day out stuff with them. Uh, when I hiked with Derek, we didn't actually like hike together every day, but we would, cause he hiked faster than me. So we would do lunch together and he would generally get to lunch like a half hour before me. <laughs> and then I'd get there and we'd share lunch for a half hour and then he'd leave and I'd leave, you know, like a half hour after that. So we had an hour lunch each with a half hour of overlap. And then, you know, when I would get into base camp, it would generally be like a full hour behind him by that point. And so then, you know, we would set up camp and do dinner. You know, that was like the right amount of interacting with him, I think. And it was really fun to, you know, have that. And it will, you know, always be an awesome memory for the two of us. But I think it did, like, sometimes, you know, you want to go faster or slower. And it was, you know, like one time he almost sprained his ankle. 
And so there was like a week where we mm. had to like take it slow where I wouldn't have had to do that on my own. Yeah, so that's true. the majority of the time he wanted to go faster than I did. So were you always planning to do the Pacific Crest without a partner or did you kind of ask around to see if anyone wanted to do it with you? I asked around briefly, but I wasn't too serious about finding someone. Yeah. And you have um, friends along the way, so it's not like you'll be totally removed. Yeah, I already have um, one of my friends from church wants to do four days with me. My little brother, Robbie, wants to do about a week with me. And there are some other people I'm in contact with who might, you know, come out for somewhere between a day and a week at a time. So yeah. I'm not going to be, like, entirely alone the whole time. Right. And these people are can keep keep pace with you. You're 21 miles a day. I, if no. I were to, I, I don't uh, think I should be coming out and, <laughs> you know, keeping you company. I, I'd be, I'd last for maybe, I mean, 21 miles a day. How, how many hours of, of hiking do you see that on, on average? So first I want to uh, correct that statement. I don't actually expect anyone when they're out with me to keep up the 21 mile a day pace. Oh. I expect to, you know, be ahead of pace when I'm on my own and kind of be, like, slowed down whenever I, like, oh, okay. go in. Like, if I go into Los Angeles, I'll, like, lose a day or two because I'll be hanging out with people. And, like, when Robbie comes hiking with me for a week, we'll probably end up losing a day or two because um, I don't expect him to be in the hiking shape that I'll be in at that point. Right. I definitely, you know, if you wanted to come out for a day, Margaret, you know, feel free. <laughs> I'm happy to, you know, hike five miles one day so that we can hang out. Right. Um, I could do more than five. Your other question. I tend to hike around like two and a half to three miles an hour when I'm moving. Mm -hmm. So that would, you know, put us, what, between like six and eight hours of hiking. Right. And I will have days longer than that, of course. Yes. You know, that's how averages work, and I'll be taking days off. And how have you been training for this? Have you just been like walking around your neighborhood? You're up in, uh, I, I guess we should say you're up in Cambridge, Massachusetts. That's why the, if the sound isn't as good, that's why. So how, how do you train for this? Yeah, so I have been running and walking, mostly walking. You know, I take the pack that I will be walking with. I put a bunch of dead weight in it, and I go walking around. Last Saturday was my biggest training day. I did 28 pounds, which is more than I will have for most of the time, and I did 24 miles with it. Wow, yeah. I definitely uh, wasn't ready to do that again on Sunday, which worried me a bit, but... Mm. Well, you'll get in shape as you go, too, right? Yeah, that's definitely what we did on the Appalachian Trail. We varied, you know, from doing like eight miles a day at the start, and then we pushed up until we were close to 20 near the end. But yeah, I think a lot of the speed that I'm planning to keep is by keeping my average high at the beginning. Because by the end, I will be in fantastic shape, no doubt, and I will be able to, you know, bust out like 25, 30 mile days if I need to without really thinking about it. Yeah. Right. Is the Pacific Crest Trail, is, is it a, over a lot of mountains? I mean, I did see the movie. I don't know there is a movie. There's a movie? Oh, yeah, but with Reese Witherspoon. Oh, oh, Wild? I've never seen that. Yeah. She did the Pacific Crest Trail. Um, she threw hiked it on her own. And I sort of remember it be getting hillier at the end. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you know the whole landscape. You've probably studied it, no? Yeah, it um, it definitely does change elevation a lot, but the the important thing to know is that the like path itself is never very steep, which is nice. The right. Appalachian Trail has a habit of making you scramble up the sides of mountains to get to the top, 
uh, and like a lot of East Coast trails do that. But we kind of do that out here because we don't have any big mountains. So like the, the highest point on the Appalachian Trail is um, Clingman's Dome, and it's like 6,600 feet, whereas out west I will be like above 9,000 feet for weeks at a time. And, you know, my peak will be like 14,000 or something. Oh, wow. really? Oh, yeah. I didn't know about that. That's pretty high. Have you been oh, that yeah. high? I've been to, I think, 11. Right. Right. It's actually not as big of an issue as it generally is because a lot of the issues with altitude have to do with acclimating to it. And mm-hmm. so when you walk to altitude, it actually isn't nearly as big of a deal because, you know, you'll you'll spend like, you know, weeks getting up that high, you know, not not like that slow of a slope, but you'll like kind of go up and down and up and down and up and down. Yeah, that's a good point. It's very mm-hmm. gradual. Yeah. And so, like, the day you hit, you know, 14, you've been at, like, 10 or 11 for a week. And right. so it's not that big of a deal. Right. So what's in your backpack? What do you carry? What's in these 28 pounds or 24 pounds? That, yeah, you know? so it's it's going to vary a lot. Uh, the, the biggest uh, annoyances are going to be food and water because those are always changing. And, you know, that gets heavy depending, you know, water is about two pounds a liter and then food is about a pound and a half a day of dry food. Um, and those two numbers can add up very quickly if you need a long carry over a dry area. Um, but not counting those variable parts, my pack will be 14 and a half pounds and then the stuff in it. Yeah. What's in it? Uh, so I do have, uh, there's a website called lighter pack and I can send you, uh, it lists everything that's in my pack. Um, down to like, you know, my phone and the charging cables and I've weighed all of it individually. Wow. Wow. Uh, but it's, you know, it'll have like a pocket knife, um, maps, of course, a GPS tracker so that, uh, you know, dual purpose one so that people can see how I'm doing and two, so that I could call in a rescue helicopter if I needed to. Mm -hmm. Um, and then like the standard camping stuff, I'll need a tent, a sleeping bag, a sleeping pad to sleep on. Yeah. Um, I use like a nice inflatable sleeping pad. Huh. Um, very comfortable. <laughs> I get yelled at for using a sleeping pad when I go camping. You're not hiking 2,000 miles. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> you ever use this yeah. one? <laughs> on the Appalachian Trail, I tried to use like a, it's, it's lighter to use a closed cell phone pad. Just like kind of like a yoga mat, but like a little thicker. Right. And I did that for like the first month or so. But at some point, I just couldn't keep sleeping on it. And I was just bruised on every mm. side. Like my tailbone and both hips, like couldn't handle yeah. sleeping. Well, on the Appalachian Trail, didn't they have like little huts? Yes, that is inconsistent, but it is available. Mm-hmm. But those huts are just like wooden. So, yeah. I mean, if you're if you're okay sleeping on a hardwood floor, you don't need a pad under you. But I would generally inflate mine Does and the- sleep on that in the hut. Oh, you're also probably thinking of the, in the White Mountains, the AMC does actually maintain, like, a system of huts where you can, like, they have, like, beds in them, and they also, like, cook dinners for you. Where are the White They're, Mountains? like, hotels at altitude. New Hampshire. Yeah. Oh. It's, yeah, I've always wanted to do that hike from hut to hut in the White Mountains. Well, you should yeah. do that. Yeah. Well, one of these days, I plan. <laughs> so, yeah, so take us through a typical day on a through hike. 
You wake up, you make yourself some yeah, dried yeah, food dude. breakfast. So I wake up with the sun when it wakes me up. Um, I'll end up kind of like on a solar schedule. So probably like 6.30, maybe 7. I won't think of it as early. It'll just be when the sun wakes me up. I get up. Uh, the first thing I do is undo the valve of my sleeping pad. It's kind of like my snooze button because <laughs> you need you need weight on the pad to deflate it. Right. Yeah. And so by doing that, I give myself like another 30 seconds until the air is gone and I'm on the hard <laughs> ground. And then That's I actually great. get up. That's great. And then I will, you know, break down my work. I generally will roll up my sleeping pad and sleeping bag. And then I will go get my food, which will be in a bear can bear proof canister, like a hundred feet away from my tent, so that if any critters come around, they will not be able to get into it and not be on top of my tent. Mm, oh. Interesting. So you have a bear proof bear uh, bear proof canister, and you keep it a hundred feet away from you. <laughs> Was that the same in on the Appalachian Trail? So, no, generally on the Appalachian Trail, you don't need bear-proof canister because black bears are oversized raccoons, whereas grizzly bears will kill you. Um, Fun. Yeah, where do I sign I mean, up? <laughs> but so continuing through the day, I'll then, you know, get my food. I'll make breakfast. It'll probably be like oatmeal or maybe I'll just be eating some Pop-Tarts or something. Um, and if I'm like boiling water for oatmeal, that's when I'll break down my tent. Then, you know... Breakfast will be ready. I'll eat breakfast. After breakfast, pretty much everything's in my pack, and I start walking. Day to day, the only thing that really matters is knowing how far you've gone and knowing where the water is. So when I cross a creek, I will stop, refill my water bottles, and filter it, and then you know drink some water, of course, and I'll just make, make sure I have enough water to get to the next water source always. Do you have a special water filter? Yeah, I have the Sawyer Squeeze. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think it's like a 0.2 micron filter or something. Right, I'm sure there's a lot of technology that's been developed for this because mm -hmm. a lot of people are doing it. Yeah, it turns out um, iodine tablets aren't particularly good for you. They're fine for like a weekend trip, but if you're going to be uh, consuming water for months at a time, maybe stay away from iodine. Hmm. Is that what you did on the Appalachian Trail? Uh, no, it's just, like, the, it was all the rage in, oh. like, I don't know, probably, like, the 50s to the 90s if you were going backpacking. Yeah. I actually, I don't know, maybe it was a worse idea, but on the Appalachian Trail, I used Aquamira, which is basically, like, a chemically modified bleach. And the idea is that you, it's two separate chemicals, and you mix them to activate them, and you let that reaction go on for five minutes till it's fully activated, and then you add it to the water, and shake it up, and in 30 minutes, it should kill anything alive in the water and itself. Yeah. All right. Well, we got through breakfast. You got your water. Um. <laughs> yeah, so then, then I'm looking for a lunch spot. You know, my life revolves around food and water when I'm walking. Uh, what I'm hoping for is a place with an awesome view. If I ever find a place with an awesome view, even if it's like, you know, 15 minutes after I left my uh, campsite, I'll stop and enjoy it for at least five or ten minutes just because, wow, look at that. And so I'll just kind of, you know, sit there, maybe do some reading. Um, hopefully I'll get a spot with a great view right around the time when I'm getting hungry for lunch. Mm -hmm. And I'll be able to, you know, sit down, stretch out my legs, take off my pack, eat, enjoy the view, maybe do some journaling. 
you know, and yeah. then maybe another hiker will come through. And if it's a really good spot, they'll probably want to eat lunch there too. So we'll chat a little bit about how far we're both going. Right. Do you make a lot of friends on the trail with other hikers? Yeah, you do kind of like know your pack because every through hiker there, there are like 50 through hikers that start per day. Oh. And I know on the Appalachian Trail, about a fifth of them finish. I don't know if it's higher or lower on the Pacific Crest Trail. But, you know, regardless, there'll be a number of people who started around the same time as you. And of those people, some of them will end up hiking around the same pace as you, too. Yeah. So you'll, you know, you'll pass someone and then you'll go into town to resupply. And, you know, then they'll pass you. Right. And they're just kind of like a group of like, on the AT, it was probably like 30-ish people who you kind of just know by trail name and or reputation. <laughs> right. Do people have bad reputations? Um, I mean, not bad, but some, some people, you know, like to party more than others, oh. I would say. And so some people like stay up later. Are, are Generally, anyone who's through hiking is very courteous about it. Yeah. But I, I did know a group of people, and I probably couldn't remember their trail names now, but they were kind of famous for taking a vacation at every opportunity. <laughs> so they like, they went to New York city, they hit the Jersey shore. They were like, you know, they were barely on the Appalachian trail. They were just <laughs> kind of moving approximately parallel to it. <laughs> right. And they said they through hiked it, right? <laughs> I mean, they did hike it all. They just took a lot of time off in the process. Yeah. They actually like the days they were hiking, they were going faster than me. So Right. It's just, you know, they were they were hiking, you know, five days out of every seven. But there's probably other people, quote, like you, who are, uh, you know, through hiking it seriously on your own and only going to the town every two weeks or so, presumably. Yeah. And, I mean, the, the number one thing if you're doing a through hike is to hike your own hike. Like, there's no, the only wrong rate ways to enjoy a trail is to break leave no trace. As long as you're leaving the trail as well as you found it, you can do whatever you want to enjoy it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Some people do speed records on it. Oh, what's the fastest anyone has done it? Yeah. Very fast. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I think it was String Bean on the AT did it. It was the past couple of years. I was actually talking about it with some of my coworkers. I want to say it was like somewhere between 40 and 52 days. Yeah, I sort of remember when that happened because he opened a bottle of champagne on the top of Mount Katahdin or something. and Yeah, I got fined for it. Yeah, that in itself got people a little upset because of having champagne up there. And, you know, it, they were afraid that Leave No Trace ethos was going to be violated in a big way if people are throwing champagne bottles around or something. I, 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 can, I remember the picture. You know. Yeah, yeah. Uh... So I, I will just speak for the entire trail community when I can guarantee you that his group located the cap from that champagne bottle and packed the champagne bottle down. Right. Um, but yeah, Baxter State Park does not like through hikers, which is the park that Katahdin's in, because for all of us, it's like the momentous finish. Yeah. Whereas right. for them, it's just Tuesday. <laughs> right. Um, right. So. And I think that was, of, yeah. Well, not to not to belabor this point, but I think that was the issue is that we know I'm sure his group was very good about it. But, you know, the message it sent out like, oh, this is a fun party place, you know, for for people watching. It. 
So yeah, I I definitely agree with that because you know as as a someone who's through hiked, I do kind of feel that pressure sometimes. Like if I go out with a bunch of friends, like I really have to model good behavior because mm-hmm. if I you know take a shortcut, they just assume that shortcut's okay to take whenever. Right. Um, which is a bad message to be sending. So I definitely. I'm kind of glad that he ended up getting fined a bunch and, you know, paid all of his fines. Also, I think that wasn't string bean. I think that was, um, someone else who went through that. Yeah. That was like the guy the year before and then string bean broke his record. Right. I just want to, you know, defend the honor of string bean here. (laughs) I'm not sure you're talking about, but (laughs) his honor is fine with me. (laughs) Yeah. Or her. Or her, yeah. Oh, uh, no, String Bean's a guy. His first name's Joe. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting question, the ratio of uh, men to women on the trail, if you uh, notice it at all. Um, yeah, it's definitely skewed. I don't think I'd be able to come up with a number this far along from the AT. I don't think it was so bad as 90-10. It was, it was probably like 60-40 or 70-30. I will say that if you're ever hitchhiking, two people of mixed gender is significantly easier to get a ride. Mm. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Get a ride. There was there was one time where it was me and uh two girls who I don't remember the name of who were hiking together and we were talking about resupplies. Um and we were both gonna go into town the next day. And I ended up waking up before them and getting out of camp like half an hour before they did. And for whatever reason no one was picking me up. Um probably because I looked and smelled like a homeless person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Right. But, you know, sometimes that doesn't bother people. So I was just getting unlucky. And uh, they also split up and were meeting up in town, I think. So then the first of the two girls came out. And I, you know, turned and said hi to her. And she was like, oh, are you trying to get a ride into town? And I was like, yeah, like we talked about, I'm hoping to resupply today. Before that interaction was over, someone had stopped. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So it was like, you know, I was sitting there for a half hour and then. It's like, oh, they look like a nice couple. Immediately stops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a nice homeless couple. So yeah. is that is that your basically how it works? Also on the PCT, when you stop, you, you hitchhike, you try to get a ride into town? Yeah, so there definitely are places where uh, the easiest way is hitchhiking. And I'm going to be playing that by ear of how comfortable I am hitchhiking i'm i'm fully vaccinated but obviously it's a little weird getting in a stranger's car right now yeah but yeah the there are some towns that are close enough to trail that you don't need to like my my, i made sure my first like three resupplies i wouldn't need to go like in a car if they're like you know a half mile away kind of thing where i can just walk along a road for a bit yeah but at some point i'll have to you know make that call and so it'll probably be I think it'll be a week and a half in will be my first resupply where I will have to decide whether or not to uh, hitchhike or, you know, like call an Uber if I have service or something. It's always Uber. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, where there's service, there's Uber. Right. And sometimes there may not actually be one because it will be the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Okay. Do you ever doubt finishing, doubt if you'll finish on the AT or the... Yeah, when you were on the AT, did you ever doubt finishing? Um, there was there was one particular day when I was first getting into the whites that I was miserable on 
but I wasn't ever, I joked about quitting, but it wasn't serious. Yeah. Um, I actually think the PCT is going to be much harder because, because of my tight schedule, I think there's a, there's a non-trivial chance that I don't actually finish. And then I will come back like, you know, next summer and do like the last week or whatever I have left. Do you think it's going to be very hot, at least in Southern California? It's already burning. Yeah. I'm, I'm racing summer. Um, oh, right. I started late kind of like intentionally to put, uh, you know, fire under me. <laughs> I, it's going to be like in the seventies in SoCal when I start okay. and it will rapidly get hotter. So I need to ascend into the mountains before it gets too hot. And so the first like month and a half are going to be basically me racing summer. Right. On the AT, I definitely lost that race, and there were a couple of 95 degree, degree days in Virginia that wrecked me. Does the uh, PCT have a halfway point where everybody uh, celebrates the through hikers like they do on the uh, in Virginia? That that when you mentioned Virginia, I just remembered that place. What's yeah, it called? Harper's Ferry. Harper's Ferry. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. What's involved in getting a permit? For the, for the PCT? So it's actually not that complicated. There's a website. They go up every year, generally in October, but this year it was in January because COVID made everything weird this year. And, you know, you just kind of jump into like a lottery, like it's a concert ticket, and they will, you know, give you a random spot in line, and then you kind of get dumped onto, instead of picking your seat at a concert, you're picking your date to start. Mm. And you'll see that, like, generally the best dates are in, like, going out either direction from the middle of April. Yeah. And, you know, I, like I said, I wanted to start later. Yeah. But, um, you know, you can kind of, I saw that, like, you know, basically the entire month of April was filled up when I had my choice. And then all of March and May were still open. Right. How right. much does it cost? It doesn't cost anything. Oh, oh. okay. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, the PCTA is a nonprofit, and they don't want to charge for access to nature, especially if you're willing to walk, you know, over 2,000 miles. Right. <laughs> you actually don't need to walk 2,000 miles to get a permit from the uh, PCTA. You only need to walk 500. Oh, oh that's easy. Yeah. yeah, which is relevant because there are some sections, like um, in Yosemite, uh, it's really hard to get a permit to hike there. So sometimes the easiest way to get a permit is to get one from the Pacific Crest Trail Association. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then you need to hike, you know, 500 miles at least. So you have to, you know, commit to hiking for like at least a month in order to get the easy permit to get. Well, I guess it's all done on the honor system, but PCT hikers. I mean, there are rangers that check, though. It's very hard to enforce you leaving early, right? Right. What's the situation if you run into an animal that is deadly? Yeah, so um, I'm actually, I'm still not sure if I'm going to pick up bear spray or not. Um, mm. I'm leaning towards it, but I won't need it right at the start. Yeah. Um, I will be walking with trekking poles, which are like basically ski poles, just to like, you know, help you bear weight as you walk. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'll have some, uh, you know, weapons, though. I don't actually expect to fight. What I will mostly do with them is raise them over my head and make noise to scare whatever it is off. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's... When I say black bears are oversized raccoons, you can do that with a black bear and it will just leave you alone and run away. Yeah. Uh, grizzlies are much more territorial, so it gets more tricky what the 
exact correct uh, behavior is. And so sometimes they'll kind of want to challenge you and you'll have to, you know, back off or whatever. Did you um, run into anything on the AT? Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh. I ran into like eight black bear and a moose. Ooh, and, moose. you know, all sorts of snakes of various types. Oh, yeah. How do you deal with a moose? <laughs> oh, uh, you just uh, ignore it and hope it ignores you and stay very far away. Right. I mean, like, I wasn't trying to get close to get a picture or anything. <laughs> okay. It was a moose. If it looked the wrong way, I was dead. Uh, but it was like, when I saw it, it was on the other side of, like, a creek, which yeah. was like a little valley. It probably could have charged and jumped the creek if it really wanted to. It was like a 15-foot gap, but, like, it had no reason to. It was just there, and I was, you know, like, 50 yards away from it. Right, right. Just another thru-hiker. What did you learn about yourself and others while doing this? I guess that was, you know, in reference to the Appalachian Trail. What did you learn about yourself? Yeah, yeah. so that's... It's weird because they're like a thousand small things I learned about myself. Uh, a good example is that like I have a better sense of smell when I'm hungry, mm. um, which I didn't know. But I think uh, the biggest thing I learned is that I actually do like people. I'm pretty introverted and, you know, kind of my entire life I have been around more people than I would prefer to. <laughs> Uh, so the Appalachian Trail was the first time when I was really just, like, not around anyone for a long period of time. And it made me realize that, like, civilization is actually kind of cool. Hmm. And, like, I like, you know, being in a city and being near people. Right. That is interesting. So why, what draws you to the trail, then? What draws yeah, I think I've had a little too much city recently. <laughs> you go and back and forth, huh? ready to take my time off. I think my, like, ideal life would be... You know, spending, like, the summers in a cabin in Maine and then the rest of the uh, year in a city somewhere. And I think that would be, like, a good balance for me, but we'll see if that ever actually happens. I think that's a lot of people's ideal. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Summer home. People On a lake. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and then spend, yeah, the winners going to shows and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some Christmas yeah, parties. Yeah, it would be a nice life for sure. Yeah. Well, all right, Matt. Well, yeah, uh, we'll probably follow you. We'll keep track of you. And, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give you my uh, blog link and my lighter pack to put in your show notes. Right. Our show notes. All right. <laughs> yeah, well, it was do... awesome having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming. Yeah, yeah. And good luck. We'll see you. Uh, we'll probably see you in September, I think. Isn't that a yeah. song? See you. No. Yeah, that's a song. See you in September. It's a good one. Okay. <laughs>